Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the J. Berg Wilk Learning Series for 2017-2018. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion, but we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Uh, so this has been an exciting time for me, re-engaging with my cousin Linda and a close relationship, thank you. And anybody who takes me out for dinner, it's, uh, you can be my cousin too next time. Next time, and Rabbi Bisman, whose children I was honored to do their wedding and still very close with, and meeting personally for the first time, uh, Rav Shmuley. So I've been involved with Rav Shmuley for several years. I think I've read maybe 2% of all his posts, but you know, it's a lot, and, and all sorts of emails, and so all sorts of directives, and all sorts of interesting. But you know, you get always a impression of a person. So I figured, for some reason, you know, a short, very quiet person, and very shy, probably not so good looking. And I was happy to see I was right. That, <laughs> and all those but now, we, it's true, we got together, it was, uh, was immediate, right? Uh, so uh, I'm a student of the students of Rav Cook, including my grandfather. And I think tonight, uh, Rav Cook wrote poetry um, in the middle of the night. We'd get up, he would write it, and then he would place it somewhere. I know more about this is because there was a period of time that I was the uh, secretary, Shamish would be a better term, to his son, Rav Sviyuda Cook. And there was an evening in Jerusalem in which I was uh, involved and taking care, and the, the lights went out. And uh, in those days, it was really cool because when the lights would go out, you didn't know how long to go out, we would, put, we would take out kerosene lamps. It was very romantic and it was always very wonderful. And I sat down and I actually, for the first time, read a poem of Ralph Cook, his father, but I actually read it in the manuscript, a piece of one of these poems. And Ralph Cook referred to all his works have the name Orot, lights. And immediately, and I put my head up, and immediately I felt this, I mean, I'm being serious now, I felt this blinding light. And then at some point, someone shook me because the lights had gone back on. <laughs> no, but at the same time, so you, know, you, you never know how that works. See, let me say this following about Ralph Cook. Um, you're here, so you probably heard something about him. You know, you have the dates here. He was educated by his, uh, by his father. Uh, he went to the great Volusian Yeshiva when he was already in his late uh, teens. Volusian was the Yeshiva. There was no other, no other Yeshiva like it. Uh, he, in this place of the greatest of all, he became one of the greatest of all uh, for a period of time. Went back, became rabbi of a small town. And, and during that time, he wrote his first book. This I can never get over, Chavash Peer. 
to wear glory. And the, that whole book, which he also developed into a lecture series, <laughs> you have a lecture series, and you have the book. I'm writing on poetry right now. Yeah, so you have that thing, so it was kind of nice to see that Ralph Cook did the same thing. That entire book was about one topic, the correct placement of the head to fill in. A whole book. Philosophy, uh, uh, Zohar, all sorts of interpretations, certainly halakhic interpretations. It's not a very long book. It's written extraordinarily well. And it was a sensation. He went up and down the yeshiva, the, you know, the yeshivot, and he spoke in all the communities. And it really occurred to me, like, how did a man like this, um, who's thinking first about that particular issue, don't get me wrong, it's a very important issue, but become a world soul, you know, whose translations are published by the Paulist press, you know, and people can't get enough of him. And he starts, and, and I started to think, when I heard this as a young man, this particular detail, I started to think about actually his question was, where do things fit? Where does the Jew fit? One of his real puzzles was, how was it that the greatest thing that ever happened to the Jews in 2,000 years, whatever, since the Talmud, which is Zionism, was being done by secularists who rejected traditional Judaism? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he... he he didn't make those arguments, well, to, if it wasn't for religious Jews, that the secularists wouldn't do, you know, he didn't make any of those arguments. Said, Why is it right now, which he, which he had as, as a feeling sometimes of embarrassment, but also really of a deep curiosity. And within that, and therefore the question for him partially there is where, do, where does religiosity fit, or spirituality fit? And the other question was, where do the Jews fit within the world once we start thinking about the return? What does this all mean? Some of these questions we'll, we'll we're doing poetry. We'll touch on, but I think that's really the background of, uh, of, what's, uh, of what's happening. I, I, have, um, I have a very logical presentation. I don't want to do it on the logical way. I just want to go straight, straight for your jugular. And that there's one poem here. Uh, and we'll see how much we can do tonight which is called Whispers of Havaya. You see this on, I don't know what page it'll say. The Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak Cohen Cook, 1865-1935, The Whispers of Havaya. It's a one-page poem. I hope it's there. You have it. And what's your first name, sir? David. David. So uh, I, I've written on mine, but it kind of looks like this. I want to um, first talk about the word Havaya. Havaya, you see on the, uh, the bottom, I, I, I couldn't translate it. Literally, Havaya means being, which is the four-letter, and the word Havaya is the four-letter name of God in transposed order, meaning in a different order. And Havaya really t deals with, sometimes it's, uh, Ben Sion uh, um, Boxer translated it as existence. I think I, I couldn't fully translate it. And actually there is, being reflective on this. There's a whole, um, there's a beautiful set of translations done, and I have some of it here, of Ben Sion Boxer. Ben, Boxer was a real scholar, was a sort of rabbi in, uh, in Queens in the mid, uh, mid 50s, early 60s. Also wrote on the Maharabi, did major translations 
of Rav Cook, terrific translations. And I used to teach his translation and also the Hebrew, but I knew there was something I had a problem with. I, I'm sorry I don't have it with you, his translation right now, but I'll say there's a problem. The problem is, is that it was a totally de-eroticized de translation. After all, he was a conservative rabbi in Queens in the 1950s. And I think you know, that sociological aspect. To, but to such a degree, and it has such an impact of how he let the eroticism not be there, that I could only see the poem without, without that. But once you have it, and therefore I retranslated it. This is my translation. The, Eng the English is my translation, right? For the Hebrew to the English. And what I'm actually, um, actually what I'm going to do is read this poem to you, but I've decided that I need uh, one or two other readers. And so Rabbi Bisman, you're gonna be reader one, okay, because you're a very eroticized guy, I've heard. And you will be reader number two. Could you be reader number three? Is that all right? I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say one, two, three. I need reader number four, Linda. And would you be reader number five? You're a poet, so I appreciate, I appreciate that. So I'm gonna read a paragraph and then I'll say one, two, three, four, five. Uh, excuse me? You're gonna read the English. You're, you will read the English. Okay, and, and this is what you have to think about, all of us have to think about, who's talking to who? Certainly in the first paragraphs. In the, in the, <coughs> in schools in Israel, me Omar me. You know, who said this to who? Who's talking? Who are, who? There's a conversation going on. It's one-way conversation, it seems, but uh, somebody's talking to somebody else. Tilchashli sowed a havayakula, chaimli yesh kach no kach, im yesh lechalev v'lev dam, shara'al yeush lo ziha mohu. Number one. Wait, wait, so punch up now. Say it again. And punch up now. Punch up the word now. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just that one line, you want me to go back to Yeah, I have life. I have life. Take me now. Take me. You have a heart, and in that heart's blood, that the poison of despair has not contaminated. The Imu Libatcha Arela, Tilchashli Havaya, the Yafi Goyaksi Becha. Sura beni sura hareni lacha a sura two. Who's number two? That was you. Good. But if you're a closed heart, stays uncertain. Now whispers to me. So my beauty does not enchant you. Turn away from me. Turn away. Truly cute. I am forgiven. Im kol tzipzuf adin kol yofi chai lo hadar shirat kodesh. Ach zerab eish zara b'cha yeoreiru, sura meni sura hareni l'cha asura. Three. The door yakum v'chai, 
Yeshir Liyofi Vachayim Venobalida Yinak Vital Shamayim for. And the generations will arise and live, singing to beauty and to life, and pleasure never enough. It suffers from the dew of heaven. Umehadar Carmel Visharon Shivat Razea Havaya Takshiv Ozen Mamchoi. Ume Aiden Shirav Yufi Chayim. Or Kodesh Yimalei, v'vayakula lo tadovev bechiri hareni lacha muteret. And from the majesty of the Carmel and the Sharon, a people alive, all ears, listens to the abundant mysteries of being. From the Eden of song and living beauty, a holy light overflows. The Havaya, all of them, gently murmur. So my question is, and let's look at the first two, two, three paragraphs, because we'll lose track of ourselves. Who's speaking to who? I'm actually asking you that as a question. If you could venture, if you could venture. Who's talking to who here? Anybody want to try this? What do you got? And what's your first name again? Ruth. Ruth. He's talking to God. In the beginning. Uh, don't go to the end. We're talking about the beginning. Okay. Talking to, talking, talking to God. Okay? Anybody else? Talking to Havaya. Well, Havaya, actually, and God here, which is Parahavaya, is actually talking, is doing the talking. Havaya, all of her whispers, by the way, Havaya is feminine, right? Whispers me a secret. So it's actually Havaya or God speaking to, speaking to whoever is speaking to. And you were going to say? Yeah, yeah. What do you got? I'm going to get there. Give me a paragraph. Give me a moment. No, no, really. Give me a moment. But I want to say the following. What about the basic <coughs> metaphor there? So you already told me it's God, that's fine. But there's actually something, a basic metaphor there. This is uh, pillow talk. She's got one guy after another, whoever the she is. She has one guy after another in bed. And what's the fate of these guys? You got to think French farce here. You got to think French movies for a moment. Uh, I don't know how many French movies Rob Cook saw, but, but I'm always thinking French movies. So, so it's like kind of farcical in which they're getting kicked out of bed. Neither guy, which we're going to try to, uh, try to get to, neither guy matches up. She says, she's pillow talk. She says, get out of here. I am forbidden to you. That's halachic language. But that's getting, getting the boot and getting out. I think it's ha havaya, God. It's the feminine, feminine term for God, all, all of being. It's used in the feminine term. He picks up that metaphor or that suggestion. She's whispering into the ear and could very well be in this whole thing here that it's God Havaya to the people of Israel. I'm going to say that that's what I think it is. It could be to the, it could be to the visionary. It could be to the, but I think it's to people Israel. And I think it has, for him, a contemporary significance. It's eternal 
there's a contemporary significance. If I'm right there, I'm going to stake that I'm right there. Let's try to get to, to a definition of who this first guy is. She says to him, I have life. So here, here's the flowing of his categories. I think it's God, but it could also very well be, it's Havaya, could also very well be the land of Israel. So let's now just move it for a moment. It's God, but it manifests as the land of Israel. For Rav Cook, land of Israel is not just a location, but as an active player, is a personality. But not that. It's not just a, how can I say, a not an imminent place. For him, it's definitely imminent. It's there. It's present. But it's also a transcendent category. It's like a big deal. So she, which is God, or she, which is the land of Israel, says, this makes sense in modern Jewish history, I have life. Take me now. Nah, just for those who have the Hebrew, or or thinking Hebrew, nah is an emphatic. So it's like, take me now. When are you going to do it? 2,000 years, you haven't taken me. You let me go. Take me now. But there's a condition. Let's think of those, the third and fourth line. If you have a heart, right? What's the condition in 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 the third and fourth line? You have to be able to... You have to, you've got to show your stuff. I'm lying in bed. I want you to take me. What do you got? Because what's the, it shows here despair. Now despair, the Hebrew word is yeush, is by the way, you just you know, should know, it's a technical legal term in Hebrew in civil law. If you own something and then you despair of it, like you can't find it, then you've lost possession of it. Despair means it's to give up. Then it entered, that just entered the, uh, from legal it entered kind of existential language or personal language, and it really entered Yiddish, which is all existential, in which for a person to be miyayish, a person that has yeush, is a person who gives up on themselves. Rav Cook is saying the contamination, the, the, the problem of the Jewish people have been, they have despaired. So that theoretically they may love, they may love Israel, the land. Theoretically they love the land, but in the doing so, so again, by the way, it's like a French movie. So, you know, in every good French movie or the ones that I used to see in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, at least in that period of time, there was always one lover who was a philosopher who could speak endlessly about love, but couldn't get any action, no action. And eventually he gets, kicked out of, he gets kicked out of bed because of no action. And she'll go for the truck driver, as opposed to the guy who's teaching and lecturing at the Sorbonne, because what the hell? What's going on here? And this is the condition of the Jewish people, that the poison of despair is not contaminated, and that's what he's up, uh, up again. But if, and he gets two paragraphs, you got a point. Yeah. Speak to the group. What, what it says to me is that there's hope. <coughs> there what? There's uh-huh. If, if the poison of despair is not contained. Right. But it, right, exactly. But it's, it's hope at the knife edge. Yeah. She's not forgiving. She's putting down what this, what this means. My grandfather was a close student of Rav Cook. I think one of the reasons Rav Cook favored him, besides her grandfather was a quite brilliant man, is that my Rav Cook, my grandfather came from a, uh, we come from a very august, Jerusalem families. When Rav Cook came from Europe, he needed students who also were connected. 
and they were connected. My grandfather would tell me the stories of, that he, as a young man, would go over to Rav Kook and, and speak to the Jerusalem Talmidei Chachamim, the scholars, and say, things are opening up in the country. We can place a rabbi here. We can place someone here. You can really be doing something. They're, they're building the land right now. And basically the response would be, we're too busy learning the laws of how to build the land. And so this is what, this is what Rav Kook's talking about. It. And that's why the next line... I had this problem here, this uh, translation of the first three words. If, if your, I, so I gave both the translations. If your heart has a, is aral, if your heart is uncircumcised, but also mean, can mean, un, un, the organ of penetration here is the heart. So if your heart is so covered over, what's it covered over? With scar tissue. Rav Cook is facing a, a traumatized people. They can't act, and there's a reason why they can't act. They're traumatized, and they've had a lot of scar tissue. If your heart, that's why I included heart, but, included heart, but the heart remains, we're at the, uh, po- the whispers of Havaya, but the heart, but the heart, the, you know, the other translation is Arel. Arel means someone who's uncircumcised. Can an uncircumcised man, according to the Bible, enter the covenant? In other words, be married? Can't be married. You have to be circumcised. So therefore, I put both words, both translations. If your occluded heart, that scar tissue remains uncircumcised, which means you can't feel the passion, Rav Cook is saying, she's saying, the land of Israel is saying, the Shekhinah is saying, all those. Havaya whispers to me, what a whisper, what an erotic whisper. Therefore, my beauty does not enchant you, means what it means. Then the halachic psak, we don't need you here. Surah many surah, hareni lacha surah. You can only have me if you want me, if you love me, if you're overwhelmed by me. If not, forget it. So rough two paragraphs. Then the third paragraph, by the way, so right now is the, that French fire. He's out of bed. He's gone. You know, in French farces, they're always... Uh, yeah, doors are opening, doors are closing, people are getting killed, people are getting kicked out of bed. This first person who can't feel the passion is gone. The second candidate. If every tender rustle, that's my translation, but the, <laughs> I had translated it up to uh, five months ago. I've been working on this for like 30 years. If every tender rustle, uh, until, until like six months ago, my translation was, if every tender chirp, but then I had changed it to tweet. If every tender tweet, I can't use that word tweet anymore. No. First of all, no tweets are tender anymore. I won't go any further, but it doesn't work. People get very upset, huh? In other words, anything, anytime that I move, she says, every living beauty excites you not to the splendor, in words, you don't see the transcendence, but to a rush of foreign fire. And I'll just do this. In other words, but on the other hand, if all you can have is a rush of foreign fire, which is that you get excited and that you'll, that you'll come, and that's all I mean to you, then, and here Rav Cook is referring to the passionate secularists who, who are very careful in its stereotypical form to get rid of the transcendence and to get rid of the holy. So all I am to you is, a, is, is this exciting physicality, well, that's already also 
Avodah Zarah, he plays with that, the rush of foreign fire. That's, that's idolatrous on own. Surah many surah, harini lacha surah. You're also out of bed. You're, you know, that's it. You have to want me more than me alone. You have to want me for a, for, you have to really see me in my transcendence. And I think this is what Rav Cook, you know, in the historical sense, was really facing at this, uh, at this point, you know. He's, he's, he's with, he can uh, sling the, the Talmudic verbiage with the best of anyone else and the Kabbalah with the best of everyone else. And a lot of people in Jerusalem really loved him for that. But if they can't, you know, do something with the land, what in the hell is he going to do with them? And on the other side, if it's only the land, it's only the land, we're going to do with that. that. That really may be, and that, by the way, is the, is the poetic nature ideology, or, including idolatry of, 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 uh, of poets like Chernikovsky, who went through the idolatrous road purposely. They said, you know, they used those terms and words because that's what they felt they needed to embrace. So what are you going to do? That's why I think I understand the fourth paragraph. If you look just at the Hebrew, the fourth paragraph, every line in the fourth paragraph has how many words? Three. Short words. And vowel-wise, six, seven, six, seven. If you count up the vowels. It's six vowels, seven vowels, six vowels, seven vowels. I'm sorry, you're going to say? I'm going to get to that. I think actually it may have flipped. Wait, wait for my post, my postscript on that. Certainly on his time, but not. When was this written? Yeah, this is written in uh, around World War One. I. I can't get any closer than that. It's around then. Okay, my grandfather told me he remembers from that time. So my grandfather had a good memory. So actually, it's short words. I think for a reason. The Dor Yakum Vachai. A generation will arise and live. In English, I couldn't get down to short words. Short words, short vowels, because this is now going to talk about infant sexuality. Singing to beauty and to life. Yeshua Yofi Chaim. I now have, uh, we have our grandson, uh, first grand, grandchild. Our children made, came back living in Israel. They, they brought, they brought uh, little Tzvi, and he makes these noises in the morning, and that are so wonderful, and, you know, just those noises. Singing to beauty and to life. I thought about it uh, last week. He's singing to beauty and to life. And pleasure never enough. It's, by the way, it's a biblical verse. Edna beli die, pleasure, but never enough. Ye knock me tal shemaim. It's the way I understand it, suckles from, the, from really the dew of heaven, from that breast, is that you have to raise a new generation that doesn't have that trauma and therefore away from, the, away from the physical or doesn't have only the counteractive, only the physical, which is its own trauma in a certain way. You have to raise another generation. And that's his hope. And then this is kind of a finishing off paragraph. hadar Carmel v'sharon shifat havaya takshiv ozen amchai to translate, and from the majesty, awe-inspiring majesty of the Carmel, right, Mount Carmel, and the Sharon, a people alive, all ears, listens to the transcendent or effulgent, effulgent means flowing, mysteries of being, which is, you know, the word Havaya. Anyway, 
So, okay, here's my story. I've been working on this for a long time. So, and the rabbi asked me, have I been to Phoenix before? Now I remember. I took a flight from Phoenix to Fort Worth, I don't remember exactly why, 34 years ago. You told me you came and That's right. And you got up and you, and you had a lot of good things to say. After that, I went to Fort Worth. Where I'm on a small plane, and the plane had come in from New York. A lot of people from New York got into the small plane. The plane was like 26, 27 people. I'm sitting on the plane next to, and for me it was terrific, two cowboys. I say they're cowboys because they had those things on their boots. And, and, they had, and there was crap on the stuff on their boots. I mean, it was like... And the, what do they call those? Yeah. And on the, the last minute, a family from, from Borough Park gets in, all dressed up very, very nicely. And they're going from Fort Worth, they're going for a wedding. And they're coming from Borough Park, and they're on the flight. A man and his wife, dressed very that, three little kids, and the, and the grandmother, who's dressed up really well, you know, with, with the wig and the, the hat on top of the wig. I mean, I think very nice. And of course, immediately as the plane took off, it became like the Stiebel Brokart. Kids are running up and down and running up and down. I'm looking at this poem, and I had my rudimentary translation, a little bit different than this. And um, two things happened. First thing happened is uh, uh, I, I get up. I want to get a drink of water. I'm getting a drink of water. In the meantime, the grandmother got up. And at the same time, the guy I'm sitting next to got up to go to the washroom. And as he's going, a big hulk of a man one of, the, uh, one of the Hasidic kids uh, gets a little, turns to his grandmother and goes, Bubba. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> Which scared the hell out of this little kid. And then he goes, Bubba. And he goes, yeah. And I realized, I'm the only person who understands this amazing, you know, right? Write a dissertation on this, right? This whole thing. Anyway. So we, we took care of this moment, although it was perfectly not understandable to the Hasidic Bubba that he's also a Bubba, and vice versa, you know. Okay. So I come back, and uh, Bubba, the, uh, the non-Hasidic uh, grandmother, um, he's looking at this. And he says, yeah, interesting poem. So... I say, you know, I'm having trouble. <laughs> After what the hell? From the majesty of the Carmel and the show, you know, what does that got to do with anything? Well, he says, well, it's very, very, very obvious. He says, the uh, majesty of the Carmel are the breasts, and the Sharon are the is the low lying fertile area of this alluring woman. I bought him a drink. Maybe I was going to smoke a cigarette. It was like unbelievable moment that we had together. Uh, but that's very interesting. If, if, if I had written the poem, I would, have, I would have succumbed to Jewish type and would have talked about Jerusalem. But he talks about the center of where idolatrous worship was in ancient Israel, where Elijah needed to go and chase away the... chase away the... the the, the, the idolaters or have this battle of the bands, so to speak. And he says it's going to come from there. This is where it's going to come. This is where God's voice is going to come from. A people all alive will listen to this mysteries, flowing mysteries of being 
from the Eden of song and living beauty, a holy light begins to overflow. Havaya, all of her, now whispered. Uh, great Jewish texts are frequently, not all the time, but are frequently erotic. They're never pornographic. I've never seen a pornographic text. Here, too, she gently murmurs, Bechiri, my chosen one. If you look at a, uh, uh, a stereotypical religious invitation to a wedding, it always, the, the man, the, the, the kala is referred to, the bride, the bride is referred to as the choice of his heart, of the heart of the, of the groom. Here it's reversed. You think you chose me? I chose you. I've had my eye on you, she says. God says, the land of Israel says, Bechiri, now I am permitted to you. And then the curtain, the curtain closes. Now, it was said the question that you made reference to is that, is this still part of the transition? I mean, t tension. This was clearly the tension uh, between secular and religious. Or however, Cook felt that he was within that tension. Now, I've taught this in the Hebrew without the English translation, and sometimes even with the English translation, to you know, groups of Israelis, uh, young Israelis. And, uh, and you know, they're learning this from person with a profound uh, Chicago Gaulist accent, you know. And sometimes I forget, and I really do this in Ashkenazis, which drives everyone wild. It turns out to be a good technique, by the way, because they're like up for it. Um, and when I do it with young people, I say, by young people, I mean people high school and a little bit post high school. Um, and they often get interested. I said, uh, uh, is anything here, uh, I say the equivalent of anything here threatening you? Do you have any discomfort with something here? And this is what I've heard, not all the time, but a number of times. I have kind of a little bit of a flip that I have secularists, young secularists saying to me, you know, I worry, and I worry about my friends, that we are like the first person, we who come from northern Tel Aviv, we're like the first person and that we don't have the love for the land. I don't have the love for the land that my grandfather still has. My secular grandfather still has. And on the other side, I've heard a number of times, not all the time, but a number of times, that, you know, a <coughs> guy with a kippah or a gal primly dressed, you know, the guy with the tzitzis out, you know, they're all doing national service of one form or another, say, you know, but sometimes I worry that we love the land to the exclusion of any other value. That's only the land and nothing else. So all of a sudden, Rob Cook, you know, I mean, this is what happens with great literature, I think, is that, you know, the, the, the applications sometimes can, can, can move. And so therefore, the poem remains, and by the way, this is very threatening. I, 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 I myself get threatened sometimes by this because I don't know what to deal with it. In other words, I know how to deal with the old problem, stereotypical problem of the, uh, my grandfather's story of his friends who were, uh, you know, Haredi, just as he was, you know, just ultra-Orthodox and didn't want to go out and build the land, and that problem with, with the young, uh, with the young 
secularists who are building the land and, and what's good. Yeah, that, we're used to that. But, but, when, but, when, but when a poem threatens you in another way, it has to have you think then. Okay. And then, then it's worth reading a poem. It's worth reading a poem. Let's take a, take a comment. Yeah, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would make this even more powerful. Mm-hmm. What was the commitment? To, I mean, it had to be something that you're going to try and scratch this, this almost barren land into something. Right. You know, there's this. What you remind me of by saying, so I'm going to say to you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I, uh, I, I was looking at uh, Martin Buber's correspondence. So one of the that corresponds with a uh, with one of his best disciples. In, uh, in Berlin. And uh, this was early in, in that, that Buber was still in Berlin, and this fellow went off. Uh, he was uh, clearly, this is because there was other letters. This young guy was brilliant in everything, in literature, philosophy, and he was becoming brilliant in Jewish studies. And he went off, he was uh, somewhere near the Hula Valley, and now he's working with and Buber says, you know, I got your last five letters. All you're talking about is irrigation, and then too much water, too little water, and all that. And where's the poetry? And, you know, where's the thought? And you, you're clearly not reading anything. And the fellow writes back, well, what do you think this is about? What do you think our life is right now? Either it's going to work or it's not going to work. Either we're going to live or we're going to die. And, I, and he says, I, you know, I, I mean that for the full community. And then he goes on being poetic, as it were, to Buber for like two lines. He says, ah, if you don't understand it, you don't understand. You know, like, go to hell, Buber. <laughs> wow. Hi, this is Shmuley Yanklowitz. I hope you've been enjoying and learning something new from this podcast. If you have a moment, please consider making a contribution at www.valleybaitmidrash.org. Thank you so much. And now back to the learning. Buber, to his credit, uh, has a response. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't end there. But yeah, I think there is that. This is this is what uh, this is what's there. So so let's do something else. Okay, do a different poem. Is that all right with you? Okay, you have a point. Well, David, I, right? Yeah, I'd like to make one point. Um, if you read this, interpreting it yeah. less about the land. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say for now, you interpret it not by looking at the land, but if I'm looking at it as a relationship between God, um, and of course gender is introduced, so God in the form of the Shekhinah and, right. and a man. Right. And when I interpret it that way, yeah. what it says to me, it's about, it's about whether, whether a man, a person, can recognize Uh-huh. the Shekhinah, the, 
on earth mm -hmm. and can and can drink from it and recognize it, then that person is deserving of God. And where it says, my chosen one, truly to you I'm permitted. But it goes both ways. In other words, because God is here ready for everybody to recognize this sublime transcendence of God. Not everybody does. So the one who can recognize it, whose heart is mm -hmm. not uh, uncircumcised and, and who's not overwhelmed with material life, that person can cling to God <coughs> and, and, and then God says, because that person can recognize it. Okay, so... Um, I want to say this is good what you're doing, and, and let me reflect on it in the following way. Rav Cook, uh, what I can tell from the manuscripts I've seen, starting back in uh, his home, taking it out of the drawer, he did these uh, poems in one take. One take. That's pretty impressive. So, but I think one of the results is, is that, and, and being a midrashicist and being being a poet, uh, it doesn't bother him to have several meanings, or he hasn't decided on the meaning. Maybe if he did it on, if he took it, edited three times, he would have had one, one thing. So I think what you're saying is, is more than perfectly fine. The only thing I would, only, the only thing I, I, I kind of push back against, because everything you said was good, but, yeah, yeah, I had a relationship like that. He'd say, Landy's, uh, everything you say is 100% right, except 100%. I'll go with that. But, so everything's 100% right. I think but the, you know, this danger element that's here at the beginning, that she's ready to reject us. And you know, because you, you're not living up to what you were able to do in both, in both cases. I think I just want to keep that somehow there. Uh, that. OK, this is terrific. I want to go to the fourfold song, which is a, which is, um, Fourfold song of Rav Cook is uh, comes from uh, anyway. Fourfold song. This is what it's referred to. Um, is a. Let um, me get it right. Is a prose poem. Okay, it's a prose poem. And this is what you have to think about when you hear hear the poem. Um, and maybe I think uh, we're going to do it in English. Uh, those who can do it in Hebrew look at the Hebrew. Here and there I will throw out a Hebrew term. But I, but I think we're going to look at the English. And I want you to think of two things. I want you, he's going to talk about four people. Who are these people? I think you know who these people are. The first four paragraphs. Number one, who, who are these people? And at the same time, there, if you had to draw or sketch, uh, to put this on a whiteboard uh, or on a canvas, uh, what he, he, there's, there, you'll see as we do it, there's a way of, of seeing this in a, um, there's a picture being painted here. What would that picture look like? If I had time, I'd have everyone up on a whiteboard. We don't have the time for that right now. This is what I usually do when I see this poem. I only do this poem once a year because it, it can get, I didn't want to get, uh, you know, get spoiled for me. So you're, you're the ones, so hope, I hope you're all worth it, okay? Yeah, okay. 
So we're just going to take some. Uh, we're going to take. We're going to. Uh, we're going to. I forgot your first name. Greg. Greg, will you read the first paragraph? There is one. There is one who sings the song of his own life, and in himself he finds everything. His spiritual satisfaction. His full. His full. And that is a very important word here. His full, full spiritual satisfaction. satisfaction. And that's a yesh. There's a person like that in the Hebrew. Yeshahu shar shirat nafsho. There's a lot of sh there. One who sings a lot of song. Who is that person? And you can't draw it yet because you need another paragraph. I know you read, but here, read the next paragraph, please. Okay, stop there. Next reader, right next to you. I'm sorry. Together. Together with her, he sings her song. He, he, feel, he feels grieved in her, her afflictions and delights in her hopes. He contemplates noble and pure thoughts about her past and her future and probes with love and wisdom her inner spiritual effort. And there is another, yesh, there's another, we start the third page. There is another who reaches toward more distant realms, and he goes beyond the boundary of Israel to sing the song of man. Uh, one second, yeah, no, our, in, our, I had another translation, they didn't take my right translation, my secretary. The song of Adam would be a little bit better here than man. Okay, would you read from there, his spirit? This source of life. I think I heard the his. From this source of yeah. life, he yeah. draws the subjects of his meditation and study, his aspirations and his decisions. Okay, would you read, Rabbi? And there is one. And there is one who rises toward wider horizons until he unifies himself with all existence, with all God's creatures, with all worlds, and he sings his song with all of them. Okay, would you read the next uh, part? You read in Hebrew. Go. Uh, it would be Achamitachet Kol Yikum Kuro Im Kol Briot Im Kol Amim Im Kuram in that uh, third fourth paragraph, fourth line. Yeah. No, 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 no. I want that the paragraph before. So David, go back and do the beginning of that paragraph in English. There is one who rises. There is one who rises toward wider horizons until he unifies himself with all existence, with all God's creatures, with all worlds, and he sings his song with all of them. It is of one such as this that tradition has said that whoever sings a chapter of song each day is assured of having a share. And we're stopping here because we have to do this. It's unfair, but does anyone, if you had a,
kind of outline this or draw this on a whiteboard. Where are the shapes that you would see here? Is there a shape you would see here? Circles. What? Concentric circles. Concentric circles. OK, that's one way of doing it. Any other way? I think that's the major. Another way of doing it is a spiral. Or, or concentric circles, but they're permeable. So all this, you know, kind of more of a Venn kind of a, kind of a deal. Um, then that, so that's good. I mean, I think that people, by the way, have done pyramids. I uh, I taught this to a, a group of rabbis, a group of Orthodox rabbis, were having a conference, and across the street of this, where was this? Palm Springs. Across the area, there was like one of the first gatherings of uh, uh, of the new generation of uh, of feminists. They even call it feminists anymore. It was so early, of women uh, of uh, women women artists. So they they saw I was there, and the, I was the one guy who was invited. They invited me over to give a shear. So I gave a shear on this. And so instead of having a whiteboard, I had uh, I had paper sh I had paper. Uh, I had these long butcher paper, you know, butcher paper. And I had everyone draw it. Everyone had a drawing. And then I had everyone uh, sign it. And then I brought them home. And then two months later, my daughter, who was uh, eight, said, uh, oh, Abbas, thank you, you know, bring home all that Hanukkah wrap that we use <laughs> for, third, for second grade presents. But anyway, sorry. I'll send you the bill in the morning. I have to talk through my traumas. So, okay, so you, ha you have that. And pyramids sometimes work also. There's ways of doing it. Who are these people? Who's the, first, who's the first person here? Go back and take a look at it. One who sings a song of his own life. He finds everything, his spiritual satisfaction. And I'll give one more introduction here. If I was a better teacher, this is the way I would have done it. Learn from my mistakes. I would say name four Jewish types. And so you might go something like a tzaddik, a chassid, a pious you know, person, a uh, person who does musar. Yeah, you can, go, you can find four. Uh, Gershon Sholem, I heard a lecture once from him, had this kind of lecture of four Jewish types, which were very traditional Jewish types. Rav Cook right now is doing four Jewish types, but this is, this is not traditional language. It's not traditional language. And it's not the four sons, okay? It's, the word is four here, but it's not the four sons. Who is this first person? And I'm not looking for a Jewish term. I want to be clear. But does he sound familiar? Or she? I apologize again. Does he or she sound familiar? What type of person is this person? Song of their own life. Finds everything. Full spiritual satisfaction. Yeah? The introspective person. The introspective person. I'll go with that. Anybody else? I said you know, to this group of artists, I said, you're, you're the first type. You see the whole world from within yourself, and you're able to create the whole, whole world. It's usually an introspective person who's quite ego-centered. That's what an artist is, a writer is. I live with a writer. You know, when she's not writing, she's horrible to live with. When she's writing, she's horrible to live with. I love her. I mean, you know, because, you know, it's, you're seeing everything. You know, you're creative. You see things. I'm not that, that kind. So, it's a, so I'm a pleasure to live with. But, but, but you know. That's the person. By the way, it's really a person, introspective and all the rest, artistic type. It's really a creation. Of, it's a, it's not creation. It's a person who manifests a certain aspect of modernity, who's able to express things from within themselves. The, the, 
the, the, the, the individual person, the creative individual person. What do you got? But, yeah, yeah, see, but that's, and that's the danger in the first person. And Rav Cook is your chavruta and partially agrees with you. And how does he partially agree with you? It's there. You have the same text that I have. It's his own life, it's his own self. Right, that full, he finds his full spiritual satisfaction. And I have to tell you, for 40 years I've been trying to figure out, is Rav Cook saying that plainly, or does he mean it with a, Little bit of a little bit of a knife. Uh, and he only gives this person two lines, but it's a real person. And he values it at the same time I think he has the problem. You and Ralph Cook, okay, are both doing terrible things, making this into a pathology. But it's true. But it's true. The narcissistic personality, which is all part of that too. What do you got? Um, well, the most beloved person in every part. You, 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 you visit the old uh, Yishuvim, and I, when I used to visit that when I was much younger, 40, and he talked to the ones who were there either as founders or as children of the founders. I always would ask the question, who was beloved? Sometimes you get the cook, but usually not because the food was stunk. There weren't rabbis and all that. It was always the artistic person, one who could tell stories. So I'm just saying that. Let's go to the second. Sings the song of the nation, leaves the circle of his own individual self, because he doesn't have enough of an idealistic base, aspires to the heights, cleaves to the whole community of Israel. By the way, by the, way the term cleaves to the whole community of Israel, the word cleave is a mystical term, davak. That's a mystical term, to cleave. And the community of Israel is actually one of the terms for the 10th Sefirah, the most accessible manifestation of God. It's called, you know, the Klal Yisrael or, 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 or Melucha, or what's the, what's the term that's used here? I'm getting the wrong terms. Knesset Yisrael. Knesset Yisrael is the 10th, 10th Sefirah. So he's hiding, he's revealing and hiding. This is actually a mystical poem. In, in much of the language is secular, then the language is religious, but he doesn't use the technical terms, but he uses some of the technical terms. He's, he's terrific. This is a poem. He can't, so who is this person? Who is this second person? Yes? He's a patriot. A patriot. And an activist. And here, a Jewish patriot and activist. I mean, it's, even though there's a universal significance here, too, he could be applied elsewhere. He is applying it here, and how do we work out the fact, this is one of the things I've been puzzling about, I'll tell you what, how, what I think about today as I was flying here today, I was thinking about this, and I keep on saying to myself, how can you still think about this? I mean, I, <laughs> how much more am I going to think about this? This is a new thing that occurred to me, finally occurred to me, is that, yeah, he's talking this whole, I'm saying this tension between the language being traditional, at the same time, it's a secular manifestation. He's talking about, you know, I'm for the Jewish people, you know, kind of a manifestation. And I think what he's saying is, um, I'm almost there. He's talking about people 
who, in their love for the Jewish people, also rejected the tradition. You know, in other words, that, 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 you know, we have to reject the tradition in order, in order to build this community. You know, go back to the Buber thing. In order to build, we have to. We don't have time for this. This is at a time in which there's no way of you know, putting the two together, or they felt there's no way of putting it together, or that's going to stand in our way. And Ralph Cook, how can I say, is, is the term, does he argue for it? No, he says this is actually a type of person. The most significant term here is the first word in Hebrew of each paragraph of the first four paragraphs. Yesh, the yesh, the yesh, the yesh. Yesh is, in English is a powerful word. There is. It's very powerful. In mystical language, there's nothing more powerful than the word yesh, because what yesh means is it exists. And that these four categories are four or dimensions, categories, people, they exist, and they can't be thrown out. Let me try another reflection on this. The other reflection is the first two are people I'm kind of familiar with, the artistic person or the person of modernity who's introspective, you know, that whole creative, the person who's the nationalist, or this I understand. But then Rev Cook takes it further. Third paragraph, who's the third paragraph? Person who sings what song? The song of Adam. What person is that? He's a universalist. He's a universalist. He is, I tried out for a very big position, Shemulia. They wanted me, at least a group of people wanted me to be the rabbi. I was a young person. Lincoln Square Shul, okay? Synagogue. Big deal. Really a big deal, okay? Taken after Rabbi Riskin left. And at one point, I don't know what I was teaching, a man stood up and said, you're a humanist. And I grew up thinking that was a good term. <laughs> you think it's a good term. Not all Jews think it's a good term. A humanist. I, I, they didn't take me. A humanist. No, no. It's a humanist. And they're not saying a religious humanist. Sometimes I would teach this. I say religious. It doesn't say religious humanist. It's a humanist. When they talk about the image, normally whenever we say the word image, we... If you're, if you're a rabbi, if you learn Talmud, you always say, if you say, you know, the image, you say the image of God. Here's the image of man. That's the poetry right now of the secular Zionists who are secular, who are, you know, Diderot is more important to them than Dictuque uh, Sofrim. I mean, you know, the image, uh, the image of man. What he's saying is, yesh, yesh. And the fourth one, and I'm going to try to bring it together in a moment. And the fourth is the one who unifies himself. The Hebrew is mitached, very, again, mystical language, with all existence of God's creatures. The Perak Shira, the chapter of song, is a tradition of if you, if you say Ashrei every day, <coughs> and Ashrei really is talking less about God but more about creation. And you unified then you, you have a, you're assured of the world to come, but he, he throws this in here. Who's this fourth person? Who's the fourth? You're not going to tell me? You're going to tell me something different. I know, you're, I know you already. You're going to answer my question first? 
No. <laughs> Somebody answer my question. Who's this fourth person? I know, it's a good question. I think the fourth person is, uh, you know, swims with the dolphins. Or, 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 or on the astro side, he's, Stephen Hawkins knows the mind of God. He's not my favorite guy, Hawkins, but, you know, in this sense. What is Ralph Cook doing with these four types? which he uh, ascribes to them, forgive me for the term, ontological significance. They exist. Ontology means you exist. Significance means you really exist. Yesh, yesh, yesh. means you can't throw them out. You can't get rid of them. But he says these four, so fine, what, what's he doing with them? And he's not sugarcoating them. He's not saying this one's really Menasha, this one's really Yosef. And, you know, he's not doing that. What's he doing here? What do you got? He's accepting. So this is Rav Cook's inclusivity. That's what I thought for 10 years. I had, I had a little longer, much longer time because I got to finish this. But, but I, first I want to pay homage to that. Inclusivity. He wants these people on the inside. He doesn't want them on the outside. He wants them on the inside. But something else is also going on. What do you got? I think he's saying that the essence uh -huh. of all of them uh -huh. Oh, no, 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 you don't do that. I do that. <laughs> I don't give that up. I mean, I look like I'm a participatory nice guy, but I'm, I'm a control freak, as, uh, as I've been reminded. No, no, so here I want to get to it. Just, just hold, uh, wait, we'll get it in a moment, because I, I see where you're going. I want to say this. It's inclusivity. It, it touches on your points. I'm going to say it a little bit differently. It's inclusivity. They need to be parked. They can't be thrown out. But here's the other thing. He wants these aspects for the Jewish people. He wants them for the Jewish people. You know, number one is not so hard. You can find funding from the Federation for some art project. Number two, well, they might not go to Shul and Shabbos, but they really believe in the Jewish people. Not so hard for a guy like me. Number three gets more difficult. And I'm, I'm already a humanist having been accused. But where does that fit in? He wants them as humanists. He wants that quality within the Jewish people. Is it a rub up? Is it a problematic? Yes, on its own. But he wants it. He wants a person who swims with the dolphins. He wants a person who thinks the large thoughts. He wants those integrative things. A Jew has to leave. A Jew has to get bored with Hebrew school enough that they then finally go to Stanford and they will, and then they'll start thinking big thoughts and you know, they can't go to Minion. I mean, he wants those aspects, not just the, I kind of gave the inclusivity argument for a moment. He wants them in the Jewish people, but he wants the Jewish people to have this. He wants to have this. And then the question is, how do you have this? Now we go to the fourth paragraph. And then there's one, you read the English for me, okay, who rises. Yeah, they interpenetrate each other. One more line. Oh, can you sing this one? See, in the Hebrew, it's easier to sound. 
Kol Sason, the Kol Simcha, if I could sing. Kol Tzahara, the Kol Rina, Kol Chedva, the Kol Kedusha. A, a wedding is the unifying of opposites. I'm not talking about the Chasen Kala, I'm talking about the two families. But it's, it's, a, it's a unifying of opposites. And it's not simple to bring it together, but you have to find a way of bringing it together. We want to have them all. <clears throat> They're in one ensemble. What is the most perfect? I can't believe how self-serving I am right now to my own experience in life, but I'm going to do it. What's the most perfect musical ensemble or group? Uh, the Hebrew was, it's not a technical term, here. musical group you can think of. Most perfect. What do you got? The vocal choir. Okay. Anybody else? When you think music or great music, what do you think? Orchestra. What? Orchestra. A great orchestra, a great symphony, and all the rest. No. Orchestra. I'm from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> it's a blues quartet. <laughs> this is what happens, or jazz quartet. This is what happens in a jazz quartet. Someone lays down, I wish I understood it, but I grew up in the south side of Chicago. My heart's still there when it's not in Jerusalem. That's where my, that's my heart is. Someone lays down a line. He goes through. He stops. And he, you know, he's been playing the piano. And the guy on the horn picks up the same line, plays a different riff. Then it goes to the guy on the bass. and goes to the last one. And even when they've prepared a little bit, it's always different. The part that I love the best, because I, you know, it's not like I understand music, but the part I love the best is the look on the face of someone, of the pianist, who then hears him being reinterpreted by the, by the horn or by the bass. Or, and, and, and you see that generous, but it's not just a generous, generous, a, a, a smile, oh yeah. You can hear it that way. You can do it. Imagine having a Jewish community. Oh, man, I'm going to die here. A Jewish community, when you hear other people do it differently, you see they're not necessarily disconnected from you. They're laying it down in a different way. You're expanding the possibilities. It's, it's, it's a marvelous thing. And this is what, this, what, this Rob Cook, the, the jazz aficionado, which I'm sure he was, is saying, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a wedding. And now he goes on and tells us, the song of the self, Shirat nefesh The song of the nation, Shirat The song of Adam, Shirat Adam. I should not say man, I apologize. The song of the universe merged within him, within her at all times and every hour. It's going to come out differently each time. It's not these different things. Now he does this. And this full comprehensiveness, in Hebrew to mimut also means innocence, rises to become the song of holiness, the song of God, the song of Israel. I've seen the manuscript here. He's shaking as he writes this. He's like, it's, it's coming out. In its full strength and beauty, in its full authenticity and greatness. What does Yisrael mean? Yisrael, uh, striving, struggling, right? That's one term, right? Or Yashar, Yisrael, uh, you know, a straight version. There you've you got two sides of the Jewish community. One is He's got the third side. Israel stands for Shir El, the song of God. 
And sometimes you only have one of the four, a simple solve. One of the four, not the number one. It could be number three. You have one of that, and that is a song of God. Sometimes if you're fortunate, you have two of them. Maybe it's number one and number four. You have two of them. That's a song of God. A threefold song, a fourfold song. That's what we're supposed to go to. The very first comment on the Midrash and Shir Hashirim, which is the song of unification, and the song of taking discordant voices and bringing them together and seeing the discordant voices as actually love calls, the, song, the, the first line in Hebrew is Shir Hashirim Asher Shlomo, the song of songs of Solomon. The very first word in the Midrash is, what's Shlomo? Peace, shalom, wholeness, wholeness. And the Midrash says, the song of the king in whom is wholeness. The wholeness comes from the different types. The wholeness comes from the validation and the, ri- the raising of all these different types. That's where it really comes from. And not some wishy-washy ironing out of all differences, dumbing it down, or, or, or making one. And here, and here, he, and here if you want to have um, his, his, uh, his hierarchy, if you, if, if, you, if you insist on a hierarchy here, then the hierarchy actually leads to the most almost assimilated viewpoint. Of course he wants the first one. And he wants the second one. You know, the, but, but this is what you have to look at. This is a different way of looking. And this is not just a political accommodation. This is truly a spiritual way, a spiritual way, of, uh, a spiritual way of looking. Um, what am I supposed to have done? OK. So before I finish, Even though he's short and shy, I love Shpuli. Okay, I love I love the work you do. Um, we're going now to the poem Merchavim Merchavim. But the poem Merchavim Merchavim expanses expanses. I can't read the whole poem like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read and kind of uh, comment as we do it. So what side is this poem? This is the, this is I mean where we're we bringing it in terms of taxonomy. This is Rav Cook speaking spiritually, and there's another aspect that comes in which becomes crucial. So I'm going to do Hebrew and English. Merchavim, merchavim, expanses, expanses. Merchavim, el, iftad nafshi, expanses the divine my soul craves. Okay? It's a song from Arizona. Don't fence me in. Okay? Al tiskuruni b'shum kluv. I can't be confined in cages. Of substance or of spirit. We understand substance to be a cage. But spirit's a cage? Yes. This is what he's going to tell us now in the next lines. Spirit itself can be a cage. We'll see in a moment. My soul soars the expanses of heaven. Walls of heart. Walls, he calls them. Of heart and of deed will not contain it. Musar higayom mus. Morality, logic, custom. What's that? Morality are ethics. Or ben adam Logic is analysis. It's like learning Talmud. Custom, which means, in this case, nimus, custom, which means behavior, 
which means ritual. If you took, take ritual together with, with, uh, with the morality of Bain Adam and with learning, you put the three together, what does that equal? Judaism. Or at least rabbinic Judaism. At least Lithuanian rabbinic Judaism, which he's a thing of. And you know what? My soul soars above all this. Rav Cook, man wears a long coat, wears a beaver cap. He spends most of his day dealing intricate laws. He says, it's gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smother to death. It's, it's going strang, to strangle me. My soul soars above these, above all that bears a name, above Oneg. Oneg delight, every delight and beauty. These are you know, the Greek categories of... Uh, Above that, those are just an effect. Basically saying above every delight and beauty, I want more than just an experience, even if you say the experience would be delightful. Thank you, Rabbi, for such a wonderful Sabbath experience. And I said to myself, I hear this one, I said to Cheryl, I hear this one more time in Shabbos, I'm just going to kill myself in front of the shul. Okay, they'll say, that's an interesting experience. I didn't know the Rabbi knew Japanese, you know, as I take the knife. This whole thing is about having an experience above it, above all that's exalted and ethereal. What the hell does he want? And here again, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a cowboy. I am lovesick. I thirst. I thirst for God. I thirst as a deer for water bricks. brooks. You ever see how a deer goes for water? It smells the water. And it starts running, and it runs straight. And as it runs straight for that water, you, you look at the feet, you can't even see the feet hit the ground. It's just going directly for water. I want God. I don't want anything that surrounds it. I want that. I want God. Don't tell me about experience. I had a dream about this uh, a year ago. Okay? A deer is running. It's, deer's running. It's running for the water. Water, here's God. Right? It's going for the water. It's going, it's bounding. It's uh, over, over rocks, uh, taking off from rocks, uh, under boughs, over over small bushes and all the rest. Finally gets to a certain spot. There's a, there's a, there's a, a bush, not a bush, a, a bough hanging down, and he rams directly into it, totally smashing his head, collapses to the ground. The river, I mean, the lake is right there. On the ground, he's inching to the lake. And one of us, in our typical Western spirituality go up to him and say, whisper to him, well, uh, you didn't make it, but isn't it really the journey? Isn't it really the process? And the deer puts up that, I'm thirsty. I don't care about the journey. I don't care about the process. This is what a cook's saying. God, this is a poem about God. This is the rub. Who will be a violin to express the songs of my grief? Who will voice my bitterness, the pain of seeking utterance? problem with utterances, once you utter it, it becomes separated from, from it itself. I thirst for a mess, not for a conception of a mess. I ride on its heights. I am absorbed by a mess. I am pained by the anguish of expression. And now he goes to the next rub, which is, how can I utter the great truth that fills my whole heart? He knows who he is. He knows that he has a has a very deep spiritual life. He's not, none of this, none of this you know, false modesty. And now's the real rub. I'm sorry, I keep on saying it's going to come here. Who will disclose to the multitude, to the world, to all creatures, when he said, to nations and individuals alike? When he says the world, 
he means the human world. When he says creatures, he means like the dolphins. I mean, he does. He means whatever. To nations, all the nations. Individuals, all individuals. The categories dissolve now for Ravkov. A man wearing this uh, beaver cap who believes in the return to the land of Israel. The categories dissolve. The sparks abounding in treasures of light and warmth stored within my soul. I can't get it out. I can't fully express it. I can't share it. I see the flames rise upward, piercing the hab- the the rise upward, piercing the heavens. This is almost like uh, he's at the stake. It's like his soul his soul is burning up. But who feels? And that's a line from the Talmud when. Uh, when the Torah, when the when the the Tana, the, the Mishnahic rabbi, is is wrapped in the sacred Torah, and the Romans burn him, and the, I, what do you see, teacher? The, his students say, I, I see the letters fly upwards. They, they can't they can't end it. And so, but he feels it with himself he, of, of the sacrifice. I am not like one of those heroes heroes who have found whole worlds in their inwardness. Heroes here is a word that he uses, I think, with that ironic sense. He's talking, about, he's talking about the history of Jewish mysticism. Who have found whole worlds in their inwardness. I'm number one, so I am inward. Whether the world knew of their wealth or not, it was all the same to them. In other words, let them continue. Let them do their own things. I, the depth is there for myself. I'm on now this page two. Second line, these herds of sheep walking on two feet. He is speaking the words about what the, the mystical heroes often say about everyone else. Herds of sheep, of what use was it if they knew man's true height? That's a name of a, it's a pun here because it's also the name of a mystical work. And man here refers to Adam Kadmon, supernal man. We are all in the image of that Adam. And what loss in their not knowing? That's what they say. Forget about it. In other words, mysticism is going to the truth and forgetting about everything else. And Ralph Cook says, I can't do this. I can't be like them. Hineni koshur im I am bound to the world. The koshur is like, it's, it's bound to the world. All creatures all people are my friends. Next line is crucial. Many parts of my soul are intertwined with them. This first encounter I have of, of really mystical, mystical, a mystical ecology. And the ecology is so, is that, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to have pure rain in Israel and you're going to have acid rain in Jordan? Are you nuts? Right? What are you going to do? You, I'm going to rise? and no one else rises? If they don't rise, I don't rise. But whatever I say only covers my vision, dulls my light. But once I express it, it just it doesn't come out fully. Rav Cook is writing here, I think, in complete honesty about his own um, powers, but also about own possibilities. And his complete coming directly to God, because if he can't come directly to God, why? He's going back. He still keeps his day job. He's still, you know, answering questions about a chicken. And he's still, 
figuring out what does toast foot mean on explosive, you know. He's still doing that. He believes in that stuff. But if he can't rise, and for him to rise means he has to schlep everyone with him also. And once he says it, though, it, it, it becomes obscure. It becomes, oh, yes, Rabbi, I, I read you had a very, I, I saw, I didn't read it yet, but uh, Mary said that uh, what, you read in the, what you wrote in the bulletin was really beautiful. I'll read it. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get it out? What you do is, I'll do it Hebrew and English. Great is my pain and great my anguish. That's the end of that. Gadol Tzariv, Gadol Machalvi. Four lines from the bottom, both in Hebrew and English. Or five lines in English. Oh my God, my God, be a help in my troubles. The Hebrew is, oh, sorry for the word oh. Hoy is in Hebrew. So what's the English translation uh, for hoy? Oi. O. What is he, Anglican? Hoy. O. Hoy. Oi. Ali. And what he does is he turns to prayer. Can't do anything else, he turns to prayer. I heard from a uh, Lutheran uh, bishop. Not very close. Not, I don't feel very close with the Lutherans, but he said something which was found incredible. And I found that I think it's true. He says he hadn't met a student, a congregant, a whatever, who uh, stopped believing in God and therefore stopped praying. He said on every occasion that he experienced, they stopped praying and then they stopped believing. And I found this was true in my own experience. Because if you're not in the conversation, then the other is no longer there. He turns back into the conversation. He prays to God, Oi, Eli, my God, Ezra Heye Bitsaroti, be a help in my trouble. But even trouble is a bad word, Sarah, in my constraints, in my tsaras. Be a help in my tsaras. Find for me, grant me, the Buxer says, find for me language, the gift of utterance. That's really the language and gift of utterance. I shall declare before the multitudes. No, wrong term. If you have any Hebrew at all, look at the last line. Asaper is not declare. Asaper is narrate or tell over, like in a story. I will, I will tell it over. Makhelot, he has his multitudes. But I actually take this as choir. In other words, he's talking poetry. He says the way out of this is not going to be philosophy. The way out of it is not going to be halacha, as much as he believes in both of those things. The only way towards this is not to close it down and to define it, is but to sing to it and open it. Not to define, but to evoke. Not to close it down. Boy, you really nailed that Tosot. That's okay for the Tosot. You're supposed to nail a piece of Gomorrah. But for talking about God, what you're supposed to do is supposed to open it. And you open it, and here I think it's part of his modernity, by telling your story. I'll tell the story. Which he's done right now. He's told us his story. The only other person I saw who really does this is, uh, was, uh, you know, 40 years later was uh, Rabbi Salvechik, who would 
talk about his spirituality. I mean, now everyone talks about it, but he would talk. But Shiva World, we never did this. And it was it's Rabbi Salvatore talking about his, talking about it in front of a thousand people, but he can do it. He has to, he has to tell it. He has to raise us. I shall tell the story in the choirs. My fragments of your truth. Bad translation. My truths, small t, of your truth. I can never tell over your truth. That's infinite. That's a problem from before. I can't, but I can, I can say something that's true. You said the word fragment. Truths, small t. Truths of your truth. He's taken us through this. He's taken us through the problematics. And his last word is, Elohai. Right now. God's present. Right now. You feel it. Right now, God's present. And he's done that for us. And you've done that for me. Thank you very much. I hope uh, we continue to learn together at some point. This is Shmuley Yanklewitz. I hope you enjoyed listening to this fascinating lecture. At VBM, we strive to bring you only the best in Jewish educational programming. To do this, we host a wide variety of events throughout our learning season, including panels, classes, and lectures, like the one you just listened to. Please consider going to www.valleybetmidrash.org and donating to VBM to support meaningful Jewish education in the greater Phoenix Jewish community Indeed, all around the country and the world. Thank you so much for listening.